All right. Welcome, listeners, to another edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. Oh, relax, dude. Take it easy, man. Cool your beans, bro. Heard every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on WRIR LP 97.3 Richmond Independent Radio. Radio. Yes. All right. Yay. It's good to be back and doing another um, episode of our Pride series. I am super stoked about this one. We have not actually ever had any, you know, Richmond business owners on. And I think um, being a part of the LGBTQ plus community as a business owner has its own, you know, unique challenges and triumphs and things. And uh, I think it'd be really good to discuss it. So with us this evening for a recording, we have two, a repeat offender, if you will, uh, with us, yes. and then a brand new friend that we're really excited to meet. So uh, we will start with uh, Natasha, if you would like to introduce yourself and also uh, pronouns, please. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, I'm Natasha McKellar Crosby, uh, board chair at Side by Side. Uh, co-owner of Green Vibes RVA, uh, president of the Richmond LGBTQ Chamber, and my pronouns are they and them. Hi, my name is Emmett Wright. I'm a co-owner of Ruby Scoops Ice Cream and Sweets, and my pronouns are he, they. Wow. Yes. <laughs> We're I've eaten really too much Ruby Scoops lately. <laughs> so yeah, good. that's great. <laughs> yes, I do. It's, I got Ruby Scoops all around my waistline. I love it. Same. Next few of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to catching that, um, uh, the Big Spoon Coconut one yeah. that this week, right? That's mm-hmm. right. Yes, it was a hot seller this week. So I'm actually going to be making some more tomorrow because we sold out of the majority of it. That's good. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Please make some more. I need to get some of that. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All right. We thank you guys for being on with us today. We want to highlight an important, as Melissa said, an important piece of the Richmond community. And I think people don't really think about that as often, but being a business owner is is hard anyway, but being a business owner and being a LGBTQ plus is also you know, full of challenges, higher expectations as a a minority class, because that's, that's what it is. So talk a little bit about how you got here in your respective places, how, what, what prompted you to start your business, where you thought that gap was, if it's related to the Richmond community in a, you know, activism way, what, whatever started you on this path, how did you get here and why? How did I get started in in business? So I I used to I used to work um, a a corporate job many moons ago, and it just it just was not a good fit for me. Um, and I you know I had worked a series of a series of them before that, and it was it was just never a good fit. I never could uh, acclimate myself to being treated badly at work, right? And so after a while, I just I started uh, googling things and trying to figure out stuff I could do. And uh, I came across real estate. I forgot to mention earlier that my day job, I actually get paid by being a realtor. So. Yeah, that's how that's I right. <laughs> that's what I that's what I do. Um, and so I, I found real estate because real estate really takes all kinds. Right. There's always a, uh, an LGBTQ angle, a black angle, um, any type of other identity, right? Where someone's looking for has a real estate need. And so it put me in a position to be able to help people and people like me. And so that's why, that's why I like real estate and why I got into it. Really just because I didn't have any other choice. I had to, I had to find something that would work for me. Well, um, for me, one of my, I guess, biggest love languages is gift giving, but through food. Um, I feel that it is very important to, when you surround yourself with loved ones, um, to also have a meal attached to it. I feel like it's very nourishing, not only to the physical cells, but also like our emotional cells. And so I've always, I've always been drawn to food and there has, there has been, you know, a lot of hardship in the industry with the various places I've worked and, you know, various people treating you differently. Um, so ultimately I, I knew that I've, I've always wanted to feed the people I love, but how was I going to do it? And how was I going to do it in a way where I was my own boss and um, I didn't feel like I was being taken advantage of or being treated poorly. So I've worked like since I was a teenager, like in various levels of food. And um, over the past, I want to say five years, I I 
found some really awesome mentors that helped refine um, cooking for me. And um, it, it just, it made sense to pursue ice cream because that's something that um, me and my family would make when I was younger. So that's, that's why I'm here today. And we are so glad that you are because my waistline says, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> well, I mean, really f- uh, food does uh, feed the soul and you know, Brooklyn Park's soul, you know, kind of needed a little feeding. And uh, it seems like Ruby Scoops has really gotten a, quite a good response yes. uh, from the community. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit too? Yeah. I mean, so people have been very supportive. Um, me and Rubia, who's my business partner, we've been just so grateful. Every day we have people coming out that are like, yeah, I live around the corner, you know? So it's, it's very much so like, it feels like a community spot. Like I feel like I'm every day I'm meeting new neighbors and that has been a really wholesome experience. Um, and I'm, I don't know if y'all are familiar, but when we were first uh, working on our build out, we had a Kickstarter and we surpassed, like just wildly surpassed our initial goals. And that was just very reaffirming that like, this is a spot where people want us. And this is, um, a space that, you know, we can take. And Natasha, um, let's talk a little bit about your work with the, um, LGBTQ chamber. What do you get to do as, as president there? What's your community outreach like? So the, the greatest thing that I get to do is advocate for small businesses. That's the part that I, uh, I guess I, I do the most and I enjoy the most. For so long, small businesses have been used as a shield by big business, right? So that they can get the tax breaks and the incentives uh, that true small businesses never have the, the access for. And so being in this role as president of the LGBTQ chamber uh, allows me to kind of separate uh, the voice of the usual uh, big business talking points and be able to stand out and represent small businesses and the things that we, we want and the things that we need to make our local, local economies better. And so that's really the, the best part of, of uh, uh, my work at the chamber. Now, of course, you know, we, uh, we do events around town, or at least we will be once everything is open back up for sure. Advocating is definitely the, the strong point for me. Thank you for that. So understanding that now that everybody knows what each of you all do, what challenges have you faced in finding your space where you are now, whether it was during the startup? We heard a success story from Ruby Scoops, but um, I'm sure that there have probably been some challenges or things that you may have faced. Talk about that a little bit and and what it took to overcome that where you found support. Um, yeah, I mean, so the, the process of, of opening the shop was... I felt like one thing after another kept them popping up, honestly. But we initially we initially signed to a location that was a, a, a couple blocks away from where we are, are currently located. And when we had signed the lease there, it's a lot, for one, it's a lot bigger space. Um, it would have had two stories and a basement. It would have been a, a, a bigger project for sure. But the, the landlord seemed confident that he could deliver everything at a reasonable time. Um, we'd signed it before the pandemic started. So I want to say we were finalizing basically you know, our back and forth of what we wanted out of the space in December. And I think we signed it the very first week of January. And he said that he could deliver it in about three months. And about six months went by. And all that had happened was the floor was ripped up. And maybe some window panes were installed. (laughs) We just felt like this person wasn't taking our time seriously. And it felt like he was not respecting like our needs and our sense of urgency to like get this show on the road, especially when, you know, the pandemic, you know, started and we're just like, wow, like we've already committed. And so we have to just keep pushing forward. And ultimately that space fell through because of uh, that landlord's inaction. And we eventually, you know, kept on touring some places and, you know, landed at the spot we are now. Um, as, As far as real estate is concerned, when I first got, licensed it was it was difficult finding finding my people right uh you go on listing appointments uh you you start to represent buyers and you're meeting a lot of people but you can you know you can tell if you're not quite what they're looking for right so that was that was challenging at first because that you know there was a time there where i thought i was like maybe i ain't got people you know like maybe this ain't it yeah so but eventually eventually i i found a good brokerage and and through that was able to find to find my people. So it, it it eventually worked out. But there were definitely some tough times there. Isn't when you're in real estate, it's it's all contract. You know, it's uh you know you're a business owner, right? And so it's not like you have uh, regular checks coming in or anything like that. 
And so when you're first getting started, it's it's critical to find, you know, who who you can do business with. And so if it takes a little bit longer, you know, you get the wife start looking at you like, hey, I need you to bring some some coins in here. Now, but it, it worked itself out. So you're in a more unique position. You're not, you know, hetero. But how has that given you um, like a unique perspective on um you know, the things that you do and your, your drive, you know, uh, what makes you do what you want to do and, and get up in the morning. I, I, I feel like this is something I have to do, right? So many people settle for, you know, that corporate lifestyle and especially LGBTQ folks, cause it's, you know, healthcare and things that are attached to it. And, you know, in my experience, being in those positions are really like soul crushing to me. And so you have to find that, that other way. And so the driving force for me is to show uh, other people and like, you know, the kids that side by side, right. That you can live your life the way you choose to and, and succeed at it and, you know, and make, make those measures for yourself of what you want to accomplish. You don't have to let somebody else tell you what you can do in this world. So, you know, I, I, I do it for that. I love that. Especially the stuff about the side-by-side kids. So inspirational. Yeah, they need to see it. They need to see yeah. it. And they see joyful representation because there's just far too much sad representation or tragic and, you know, trauma porn, you know? It's just like, we don't need that. We don't need any more. That part, that part. And what about you, Emmett? Like, what gets you up? I mean, kind of... motivated that? Tied off to Natasha, yeah. I mean, when I was younger, like, there, I didn't have queer spaces, you know? And I didn't... I. I didn't even know that being trans was an option until I was like 18, you know, just because I, I wasn't exposed to it. I, w- I didn't even realize that was a possibility. And um, I remember, you know, someone asking me for the first time, it was a teacher. I was like 19 years old who asked me what my pronouns were and no one had ever asked that to me before. And it was, it, it was mind blowing. I was like, I even have the option to do that. And I feel like if I was a young person and I had that sort of representation, it, I wouldn't have had to struggle as much to get to the point of where I was at. Um, so I, I just really want to provide that space for young people to feel like they can be comfortable being themselves and also provide that dialogue, you know, with parents, you know, cause we have a lot of parents coming in with their young kids and, you know, they might slip up on pronouns and I'll like gently correct them. And, you know, I'm totally fine. You know, some people like that's harder conversation for them and that's totally valid and totally fine. But for mm-hmm. me personally, I don't, I don't mind having that conversation with you. Um, if that will make it easier for your kid when they get older and they're navigating similar situations. This is true. This is true. With all that you all are navigating on your own, which is a lane in and of itself, right? What do you wish was better or if if there was a magic wand and there's something that's missing in support for business owners like yourself and and other entrepreneurs that are behind you looking for that gap and we already know in so many ways what that looks like we've explored some of those things just being a minority business owner you know we get less loans we get less business opportunities we get just it's just a harder road right and so understanding now that you're navigating that space and and you're successful at it what do you wish to either be a part of that could be uh, a change or a betterment for those behind you or what's missing in that space like what what could make that what could have made this transition for you easier or better what what would that look like i think i think you touched on it with um with capital access right as as minority business owners you know banks don't we, we're we're severely underbanked yeah and so it's it, it causes problems and just in in trying to do everyday you know business running a business right if you yep. don't have access, I mean, access to capital, you know, it's, it could be, it's, it's extremely difficult. And we see our, you know, our white counterparts, our hetero counterparts, you know, they can go to the bank and get money same day, right? And walk in with their business plan on a napkin, right? With, with no, no principle to put down. They just walk right in. Nothing, right? And get clear. to have our stuff yeah, figured out. The power of privilege. So I think, I think access to capital is really, is really something like if I had a magic wand, I'd make sure that all uh, minority businesses and even, you know, entrepreneurs or those even thinking about starting a business had tangible access to capital at every step of the way. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, I mean, so many queer people like don't have access to vertical growth in their workplaces. And that, you know, leads directly into them not having the capital to start their own ventures because they aren't mm-hmm. provided opportunities to climb, wh- whether corporate or non-corporate, whatever there is. It's, it's, it's harder. 
Oh yeah, most definitely. How do you see yourselves growing in the future? Like, where do you want to take yourself beyond what you're already doing? I mean, which is pretty amazing stuff, but like, there's always more, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, so my wife owns. Uh, well, me and my wife own Green Vibes RVA, uh, and so we are uh, trying to get that on the road um, and get a uh, like a food truck style uh, plant shop. And so that's kind of what's next up for us um, in in that regard. Uh, yes, plants. Well. Yes, plants. Yes, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, Green Vibes RVA. You can go to greenvibesrva.com. Uh, you can find us on the Low Key app. We do local deliveries through the Low Key app. So definitely get your uh, get your green vibes on. <laughs> Plant hoarding is socially acceptable. <laughs> Absolutely. You can never have enough plants. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to give you like the biggest gay cliche there is and say that I just really want to, I've been focusing on saving up so I can buy land so that I can have all my friends come out and we can all just have a community that will be our community. And we can, um, you know, have people of different trades who we can, you know, trade for, you know, we have an electrician neighbor and our plumber neighbor friend and our gardener friend. And I just, I really want to make that a reality. That's been a dream for a very long time. So part of my plan with, um, you know, running a business is to secure the capital to be able to start a venture like that. Cause it's, it's very, that's very expensive to develop like land. And um, I don't think it's something that I can do without the helps of my friends and loved ones. But I, I think that's kind of the joy of it to be able to come together and work on something special. You ever heard of soul city? Soul city. I have not. Tell me about it. Down in, um, it's in North Carolina. It was a, a development opportunity, like in the seventies, this guy went into, a community for and by black people, right? So it was going to be cool. black schools, black healthcare, black everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Nixon, right? I think it was Nixon who backed them for it. And like the, the guy yeah. became a Republican and everything just to try to get the whole city thing off the ground. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was something. But uh, what you got to do, man. It's still there today. I mean, it's, it didn't, it, it never really got to where it, they wanted it to be because, you know, they leave black folks behind left and right. Mm-hmm. But for, for it made me think of Soul, uh, Soul City when you said that. I'd love to help you with that. And yeah, please. Uh, yeah. If you ever you ever yeah. want to chat about it, I'm here. I'm, Here's I'm your realtor. <laughs> Get those connections. <laughs> Connected in the chat. There's the realtor. <laughs> no, that'd be great. And also, hey, plants. I'm not a plant person. I need some plant people. <laughs> yes. But where are your people? Where are your people? <laughs> yep. You buy them from them and we'll tell you how to take care of them. Both yep. my thumbs are green. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Oh, yes. Like, I'm a, I'm a bit obsessed, too. I, I'm always taking in wayward green children. Um, wayward green children. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love the, like, the $1 thing at Lowe's where you just go and rescue a bunch of plants. A bunch of dead plants that they thought were dead, but they're just. But they're not. They just, you know, they just they just need a little tender care. Yep. yep. Those big boxes don't take care of their plants, so they'll they quit. They don't. I'm like, oh, let's just get rid of these. They're ugly now. I've got an orchid cl- an orchid clinic for just that. And they throw those orchids out, and they're like, oh, they're ugly. They don't have any any blooms, and I'm like, this is metaphoric for something. You're going home with me. I like it. Well, to close us out. Tell each one of you, take the last couple of minutes that we have left and tell us what Pride Month means to you. So Pride Month to me is um, a a celebration of the justice of being LGBTQ, right? And I I think there's a better way for me to say that. So let me try to get my words right. But but it's definitely, it's it's a celebration of of us, right, and our, our victories and our, our uh, the way that we achieve and overcome, right? Uh, you take it all the way back to Stonewall and even previous to that, um, how resilient we are. And I, can, I, I say these words because I feel like I can say them because I live intersectionally. So a lot of the words that I use might cross over to what you would describe as just Black folks, right? Um, but I feel like it can be counted towards the LGBTQ community as well, right? Like we are a resilient people who have uh, overcome insurmountable odds, 
right? And I mean, at this point, they're, you know, the things that they're trying to come at us with are really ridic- so ridiculous that, you know, it's, it's almost laughable if it wasn't, if it wasn't so serious, right? Um, but we've, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. We've got a, lot, a longer way to go, but Pride Month is the celebration of where we are and where we've come from. Definitely. Definitely. I would, I mean, for sure, I would agree with that. It's very much focused on, you know, celebrating with friends, you know, and being in a space where you can look around and everyone is gay. Like that is so great. Like I, every day I'm doing errands and I, I walk around and I'm just like waiting to be like, I, like, I, I, I wish I could walk into this like Lowe's and like literally every single person I see is a gay person. Like those are the best days when I see more gay people than, <laughs> than not. And so Pride Month is like, you know, a time where we're all gathering and it's like we are, um, you know, having solidarity in, in the fact that we've all been through hardship. And in, in the fact that we're all, you know, are all looking like, I don't know, are all investing in ourselves because the world isn't investing in us, you know? So we got to invest in ourselves and invest in each other. And so I feel like also during Pride, it's a good way to network. Like I've met so many people from Pride celebrations and gatherings. And um, that's just, it's just another thing that brings us closer. And that's important because without that sense of community, um, it's, it's really lonely out here. <laughs> And we also get to celebrate our disdain for the for the police. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> Most importantly, <laughs> no. oh my god! Ellie's clip over the over the weekend. You know, it was, it was Pride up in DC, like regular Pride, and it, it was yeah. uh, uh, they were they were at Nelly's, which is like a uh, it's a, a, a old sports bar, and they they dragged this uh, this black woman down the stairs yep. by her hair. By her hair. I mean, it was completely disrespectful. But but because I love my people, right? They get to the bottom of the stairs and family jump that guy. And I was like, that's that's because we family. That's how we do it. You know? Yep. Right with no hesitation, just no jumped hesitation. right in. Just came across with the. <laughs> yes. You see, the one white dude was like, "Okay, I got you. I'm out." Just <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get. Pounded. That's what pride is, right? Like we we mm-hmm. with each other. We 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 show up for each other. If one of us is, you know, going through something, we got each other's back. And you don't even have to say it. If you're in a room full of family, you know you're safe. So yep. yeah, yeah, a beautiful rainbow family. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you both, really, for for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. I wish we had more time, um, but. This has been fantastic. Can you please let our listeners know how they can reach out to you? Um, any any websites, social media stuff you want to throw out there, uh, go for it. Cool. Yeah. So um, for me at Ruby Scoops, um, you can find us on Instagram at Ruby Scoops IC. IC stands for ice cream. And also we will have some events coming up, which are pretty cool. Um, so on the 10th of July and also the 24th of July, we will be at Blue Bee Cidery. Um, you can also find us at the Richmond Night Market on the 10th of July as well. And we will also be at Forest Hill Park for the 4th of July. So yeah, you can come out and catch us there. Um, also, we're increasing our summer hours, so expect us to be open an additional day on Wednesdays as well, and also open an hour later. So if you give us a call on any of our, um, whenever in our opening hours, um, either me or Rabia will be there, and we can help you out with any questions you might have. And for me, and I, I apologize right now, you guys know I got a list. So you can go to greenvibesrva.com uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, shop for houseplants through the Low Key app, the Richmond LGBTQ Chamber. You can go to uh, richmondlgbtqchamber.org and get signed up uh, and help us advocate for true small businesses. Side by side, Virginia, side by side, va.org. If uh, you are a parent or a child who needs uh, support, please reach out. And uh, Black Pride RVA, July uh, 16th through the 18th, come out and, and celebrate with us, July 16th through the 18th. And so I think that is everything. <laughs> <laughs> you sure about that? If you, if you need a real estate agent. 
Crosby Sells RVA. You can follow my page. Uh, you can always reach out to me, 804-502-9122, and give me a call. I'm always ready to chat about real estate, so hit me up. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Well, I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. It's good to see both of y'all. Well, we thank y'all so much for so being much. on. It's always a pleasure. Please let us know. Come back anytime. Please come back anytime. It's always a good time to um, have friends on. So, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes. And we wish and you I'll... continued success. Thanks. Yes. We're going to continue on with our Pride Month business edition, business owners yes. edition episode of Municipal Mania. We're so excited. We're meeting a new friend today. I love yes. meeting new friends through this show. So if you would uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the business that you are in. Sure. I'm, and yourself. Uh, and yourself. And myself. Okay, that's a lot. I'm Lilith Zarling, she, her, and I'm the owner and sole employee of Lilith Electric Coaching. Uh, I do life coaching. I specialize in helping people through uh, big transitions, be that gender transitions or job transitions or relationship transitions, as those are all things I've gone through in the last five years myself. So uh, I figure uh, might as well use my expertise to help people through that. I don't know if, what else you guys want to know about me. I'm, uh, I've been in Richmond, working out of Richmond for 10 years now. I've lived here for eight. Uh, I'm a performer as well. I travel the country with my own one-person show, uh, Wisconsin Laugh Trip. And uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's everything that's cool about me. Yes, that was more than enough right there. That was a lot. I like it. I like it. Well, tell us a little bit more about your business and what led you into that work um, and why it's important to you as a business owner. What, is, what does that mean for for your community. Absolutely. So uh, I would say in 2019 is the first time I've, I heard about life coaching. I had a friend in the improv community who wanted me to, uh, thought I'd make a good coach and wanted me to look into it. And uh, 2019 was like a real down year for me. Like I had... I had been doing my transition for a year. I had legally changed my name. I was just struggling at work and was kind of like in a fog and didn't know what to do next. All stuff that I would later learn that coaching would have helped me through. Uh, and so I looked into their program. I really didn't like what their program, like it just didn't click with me. And then at the end of 2019, uh, I met someone from the program I, I eventually did go with, IPEC, the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, and uh, set up an interview there. And at the same time, I had a complete breakdown <laughs> at work one day and the job the job was just like you know they never changed my name on their website they stopped like sending me yeah i know right they stopped sending me to uh some things that you know i don't have proof but like they didn't want me in like maybe more rural or conservative parts of the state and so i just kind of figured why am i letting this job that i really don't really enjoy joy hold me back so much. So I quit my job before I'd even taken any coach training before I even had LilithElectra.com up and running and went for it. And um, the reason it's important to me, it's, it's funny. I went through all those things. Like I went through, I was married for 23 years and went through a divorce and really just kind of the, you know, the way, the way the dynamics of our relationship was, is, you know, I didn't have much money. So I kind of just was like, gave up just to get out of the relationship. And then I started transitioning and, you know, realized that these are things where people, people need coaching help. And what I mean by that is, keeping everything in order, keeping everything in perspective, especially with transitions. Like sometimes if you're going through a gender transition, you have this idea of where you want to be, but that's, that's five years down the road. That's 10 years down the road. That's a forever experience is your transition. It's never over. And so you, sometimes you need someone to hold you accountable to the day to day and to notice the change and to notice your growth. And once I kind of had that mindset, it really helped me a lot with my transition. I mean, it was every day, like, oh, when am I going to look the way I want to be? When am I going to feel the way I want to be? When am I going to, and then I, you know, you realize when am I going to have to stop body issues? It's like having body issues is just a thing. Never. Like, that, that, that never stopped. Never lady. That, never. Yeah, I just wanted into a whole new know. realm of body <laughs> issues. Right. Um, but like, you know, or divorce, like if you're going through a divorce, there's this, this hopelessness to it. And you just have to realize like, yes, it seems hopeless, but it's also like, you still have to do the things every day. You have to follow the steps. I mean, there were times I'd get stuff from my lawyers and I wouldn't look at it for a week because I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And I just needed someone to be like, I get it. 
it's tough. And that's what I do as a coach, like whether you're, you know, changing, you know, going through a gender transition or going through a relationship or quitting your job. Like I've twice quit my job now without having a new job in place. So if you want to talk about being fearless in a career change, I'm more than happy to help you with that. Liberated. That's that's, that's a liberating feeling right there. Yeah, it is. I've done it too. And it really is like the most life-changing, freeing, and scary freaking terrifying. And it is. It's it's liberating. scary. But to have somebody... Yeah, yeah, to have somebody with you beside you and, you know, say, I've been there too and guiding you through it, you know, yeah. it really is that also, I mean, it changes your life as well. And I, I was thinking too, this isn't like your business yeah. is not like retail or whatever, right? But it's not like that. This no. is, this is supporting community members through major changes in their life. And so the product that you put out has really far reaching implications in somebody's life. How does that make you feel? It's amazing. I mean, it's honestly, it's one of those things where, uh, I didn't take this training till the year I turned 50. You know, I didn't start this until that. And you just say, you just think about your whole life and you just realize you're always looking for something and you just never knew what it was. And then the first time you have a client who, you know, is trans and looking for a new job and feels hopeless and you help them like literally just break down their options and, and look at their options one by one is it's instead of being overwhelmed by the fact that you don't know what to do. Um, I have one client who, uh, you know, got furloughed from their job and then eventually got fired and they wanted to find a job that was more in tune with what they wanted out of their lives. And so like they wanted to work with a corporation that had, you know, a conscious that worked with uh, the environment or worked with helping people. And so this was really one of my first successes because I said I never wanted to really coach corporate people. And they were corporate person worked in like a corporate office for like one of those places that owns a bunch of restaurants, like they own Olive Garden and stuff. And she hated that job, which who wouldn't? And helped her kind of lay out a career plan and get that job and realizing that that job she has now isn't her forever job, but she's going to get the skills she needs to go to the next job. And so it's it's helping people just break down to the base component what needs to be done now because that's always what gets lost is whether you whether you have a big dream and you're excited about it or whether the world's crashing down on you and you don't know what to do next, it's all so big. And as a coach, like I really try to help people break it down into small manageable steps. And it's it is it is beautiful when you help someone and they're just like they, they did it, you know? And this thing as a coach, like I don't give advice. One of my first clients, I asked them what they thought about something. They're like, that's why I hired you. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. Like, no, I don't give advice. I would, people say, well, I like what you're doing. I'm like, I would never, I would never recommend doing your life the way I've done mine. Trust me. There are better ways to get where I am. That's why I'm trying to give you. So you don't do this. Yeah, please don't. No, don't follow me. No. It's more about like helping them lay out their own plan Is that Mm -hmm. what I'm understanding? Yeah, to focus in on what they can identify as their own needs. I guess some people just need help compartmentalizing stuff. Yeah, well, usually my first question with someone when they talk about life coaching, I'll just ask them like, what do you want to be doing with your life? And then why aren't you doing it? And I'm not trying, I'm not trying to not trying to be like a jerk about it, but I'm like, this is what you want to do. Let's let's sit down and figure out why that's not happening and let's figure out a way to make it happen. Ah, identifying the barriers and you know, yeah. the self-made barriers as well as, you know, societal barriers. Societal think- barriers that that t- teacher who in eighth grade, I had a teacher in eighth grade who told my mom that I was no good at art and I carried that with me for so long. And then when I started performing, I'm like doing my own one person show and I'm getting booked in California and Madison, Wisconsin and Tampa, Florida. And I'm teaching uh, improv workshops in Alabama. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm pretty good at this art stuff. I don't know what that guy's problem was, but we all carry that stuff. And we just need someone to tell us, like, you just ask yourself, you're like, well, you believe that, you know, you just told me three things that prove that that's not true. So how true is what you believe about yourself? And then you see the click go on and like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And it's also about just making your, you know, believing that you can do it. What's your perspective is such a big thing. I, uh, I always share a story that when I was younger, if I like got $200, you know, it was like maybe a birthday present and then a bill came for 150, I'd be mad because I was out with all that money. And really the perspective is the money came to me when I needed it. And when your perspective goes from, I lost something to, I had something when I needed it. It's, it's much more different. It's your, it's easier to take risk. It's easier to be bold when you realize that every time you've needed, you've gotten exactly what you needed. You've made it to this day. And whatever you say about whatever's going on around you, you were given enough to make it to today. 
So let's say, since we only have five minutes left, what challenges have you faced in being a, what is really classified as a minority business owner? What challenges have you faced that, you know, may be connected to the community, may not, but, you know, what has that been like being a business owner in this space um, and doing what you do? And if you could change anything about some of the help or resources or things that are out there for you as a business owner, what would they be? Oh, wow. That's, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for something that deep. I would Loaded say, and deep. Right, right in my face with it. I would say, first of all, the main thing was I started, I started my business. Like I quit my last job, started my business, and then everything shut down for six weeks because of COVID. So that was, that was, that was my, my main thing. Because honestly, most of my, most of my clients come from like face-to-face, from meeting people, from, you know, giving them my energy and like getting that. So that's been kind of it. I would say it's mostly, it's a lot of it's me. I need to be more upfront. I need to be, it's something I struggle with to this day is like, how do I make myself the person I feel I can be in the community? And how am I, how am I holding myself back in ways that I don't? And um, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's, that's something I struggle with every day, especially with what's going on in this country with trans people and with, with all the legal problems. And it's just, you know, I probably need to talk to this, to my coach about this because it, it is overwhelming. And it's just like, so what do I do? And um, now that things are kind of opening up and we're back out, it's, I'm working with, I'm working on new ways to reach out. And that's really what it is. It's how do I, and this is a part of it. Like, how do I get out there and let people know that coaching, coaching is a thing. And it's not just for, you know, rich executives who, you know, can pay $600 an hour to be told how to become richer and how to be happier. It's like, how could you not be happy? Like you got the world at your feet, but, um, that's what it is, is like getting people to realize that coaching, coaching is something that can help you through, through whatever. And that it's not something that is just for a certain segment of the population. And that I think it's important to get more, more queer people doing it. I, I work for the company that I went through with and just we're working on ways like how do we get more trans people? How do we get more queer people? How do we get more men of color to be coaches? Because that's really what you want is you want to have those people that, you know, you have had that experience, you know? And so I just like trust, trust that I've been through it. You know, I still struggle with, with my transition. I still have days where it's just like, why did I wait till I was 47 before I started HRT, you know? And so real, but also realize that, you know, the best is yet to come and that's where your focus needs to be. I absolutely love this refreshing honesty. This is fantastic. <laughs> All right, Lilith, how can folks reach you and um, and learn more about, um, it's Lilith Electra, right? It's lilithelectra.com is my, is my coaching site and it's Electra with a K there. So um, just see, so, you know, and um, yeah, that's the best place to reach to, to, to see me. You can read a little bit more about coaching. Um, you can also just contact me and I I'm always down for anyone who wants to have like a half an hour session, no charge. That's the other thing is like, I really just want to like get to know people. And even if that half hour session gives you something to think about and you're not going to continue, you're not going to hire. I am more than happy. Anyone who feels like, you know, they're having trouble with their transition and they just need someone to talk to and maybe set some minor goals and then see what happens. Get back to me later and just thank me, get back to me later and hire me. I mean, I don't, Having, having money and stuff and having clients is not really the biggest thing for me. It's really about helping people. So I'd be happy to talk to anyone for half an hour and help them lay out a plan uh, to, to be healthier and happier in their transition. So yeah, lilithelectra.com and just uh, there's a little contact thing and just send me a note. Absolute pleasure to speak with you and meet you. And I hope that maybe we can, you know, have a discussion in, in, in real life one day. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love that. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. We, uh, we have yet another wonderful business owner with us today for a chat. And as we do on the show, we allow our guests to tell their own story. So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, distinguished guest, and also give your pronouns. Yeah, absolutely. Hey there. Um, my name is Bethany, uh, pronouns she, her, and yeah, do you mean to tell roll into the story of the business? Yes. Tell us about your business. Absolutely. 
So my business backstory actually just stemmed from a personal need. So um, backstory on that, um, I grew up in Texas. So I was into the fake nails, the tanning beds, all of that kind of stuff, using all the, you know, skincare products, using all of the makeups. I was that typical, like Texas type of woman, um, in my twenties and teens. And during that I developed really, um, intense cystic acne. And I like to share just a little bit about like what my life was like before then, because a lot of people think like, I'm just like super granola and things like that, because I make plant-based skincare products. Not true. Anyways, I developed cystic acne. I had tried everything. I had tried all the topical treatments, the proactive, the Accutane. If anyone knows anything about Accutane, um, it's a really powerful prescription. It's medication. harsh. I, I had it for a little while yeah. and yeah, it's really harsh on your skin. Very harsh. Um, I ended my treatment, uh, Accutane treatment early because I started, um, having like side hallucinations out of my peripheral vision, which is a very atypical side effect, but it can happen. And, and that's kind of when I was done anyway. So, um, I had never tried anything natural. Wasn't, wasn't my thing. Um, but in 2011, I moved from Texas to Richmond for a relationship that is no longer in existence. And when I moved here, um, I went to another dermatologist and she, she told me let's go on Accutane again. And I just felt just such a lack of care, a lack of, um, thought behind that. So when I went home from that appointment, I actually started researching natural, um, products. This is right before. So at this time it was probably 2013. And this is right before the, um, MLMs took control over the essential oil market. Um, I just like to preface that Maven made was not started in conjunction with the essential oil boom or affiliated with an MLM. Um, that's but, good information to put out there really, yeah, because it's such a problem. It is such MLMs are such a problem, <laughs> especially in the wellness sector, because there's a lot of, um, elitism, product shaming, all of that kind of garbage. Uh, but, I went home from that appointment, started researching vitamins, uh, breath work, yoga, meditation, like all this like woo-woo stuff around healing your skin. But I did stumble across essential oils in just fatty plant-based um, cold pressed oils. So I thought, what the hell? I'm just going to try this. I invested in some really nice high quality oils. Again, not with an MLM. And I created like a facial serum concoction. Um, all of the oils I chose for it, I researched, they were all really good for cystic acne, good for healing that inflammation. I used this oil on my oily skin, which was very weird for me to think about. Um, because I had always grown up, you need to strip your skin of oils. Um, I also grew up in a super like conservative Christian household that was very like, um, always clean, 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 cleanliness is next to godliness. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, always washing your skin. Um, I even use like, you know, the astringents on my skin. So thinking about putting oils on my skin, which turns out good oils are good for your skin. Even if you have oily skin, I use this facial serum and within a month, my skin changed. And I was like, well, there's something to all of this. And if this works for my skin, I want to share it with other people. I was working in a nine to five. Um, I had no intentions of creating my own business. I really just started like a little uh, Etsy shop. And this is when Etsy was becoming popular in 2013 and 2014. Um, I just had a little Etsy shop as a hobby and uh, with the facial serum, same formula um, that I use myself and a few core like essential oil based products. And it has just grown since then. Um, and people, the facial serum is the number one bestseller. People love it. And yeah. So that was 2014 is when Maven made officially started. Now it's 2021. Last year I signed a lease on a space downtown at the corner of East Main and 14th street. I'm finally out of my house. I have that separation actually got kicked out of the room because we had a baby. So the home studio has turned into a nursery, but, uh, I'm out of the house. And actually last month, um, my wife 
left her job and she is working for, we're going to be a family business. So. Oh, congratulations. So that's a success story. I want to hear. It is. It is. And I don't take it lightly. And it has been, um, it's extremely like we're in a privileged position that, you know, we can both, um, survive off of this income. Um, although we do rely on holiday sales for, (laughs) surviving the rest of the year. Um, but it is all, an all small businesses too. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do that this time, you know, during the, the summertime, it's just like crickets a little bit. Um, uh, but it is pride month. And I always also see like a little nice little boost in sales. Um, but yeah, that's the story. And Maven made is all about connecting with the community about sharing our abundance. Um, i.e. donations. Um, and then also eventually I will get back to in-person events. So I'm talking about workshops and hopefully we can get some people in just for community conversations that don't even have to revolve around anything in the wellness sector. Um, but that is the Maven made story in a nutshell. That was, that was it right there. I'm sold. (laughs) I'm sold. All right. I love it. It's, it's very important. And I, you know, so many people struggle with skincare and I know hair care. I went through the same process myself personally when I decided to go natural and there are no natural products that are made for and by people that have natural hair at the time it wasn't. And so, so many black women found themselves running to YouTube and learning from each other to fix our hair. And most often, a lot of times with our skin too. And so it has been just hearing that process of, I need a, I need a solution and it's not in the market and I need to go find it, that resonates with me. And I'm sure will with a lot of people because that is what bursts small businesses that grow into exactly what you're growing into right now. It's mm-hmm. you're, you're finding a solution and solving a solution for so many people. So I'm excited about that. That makes me happy inside. As we're talking about this, there are always barriers when you are part of a minority group. Yes, you are a a white lady, but you're not a hetero lady. And so does that, has that ever come up as a barrier in your business? I don't think that it has become a barrier. Um, You know, there's always, especially in the early days where I was doing a lot of uh, pop-up events, markets, things like that. There's always, because I am so femme presenting, Um, I always joke that I just want to like shave my head just so I can look more queer. Do it though Um, anyway, because it's super freeing. I'm really, I'm really, really digging, uh, your look over there. You know, a lot of assumption that, um, I'm straight, um, a lot of assumption, um, even, you know, in the shop, um, when I was pregnant, um, last year when some customers would come in and, and, you know, we definitely have like the Maven made core customers that know the brand that know kind of us personally. Um, but there are the, the, um, infrequent, uh, customers that come in and, and, you know, they assume, you know, uh, your husband and, and it's just like, Oh my gosh, just this assumption of, uh, this identity just based on how I look. Um, that's always extremely obnoxious, but I think we are kind of moving away from that as a culture, hopefully, but that, very, that really is always the hope. <laughs> always yeah, the right. Hope it's the hope. Um, and some people are doing it and some people aren't. Um, I would say uh, not a barrier, but but also just things that I think a lot of queer businesses notice um, or queer artists or queer based services is the tokenization, uh, feeling tokenized, especially when it comes to Pride Month. Um, all of a sudden, like all these, you know, straight owned businesses and companies and uh corporations like want to work with you. And, um, and you just see that for one month, um, in Richmond, we kind of see it in June and in September, because for some reason, Richmond celebrates pride in September. So you have those two months. Um, but yeah, noticing that, um, I definitely notice it. And I I know I'm not alone in that (laughs) Yeah, when you've got, you know, Target rolling out the the rainbow stuff and then it's gone like on the 30th. Oh my gosh, yeah. Black Black History Month, it's the same thing. We don't know that Black businesses exist until February. Mm -hmm. You feel tokenized, just like she said, you know, 
that's why when we plan things, every time I talk about wanting to go do something or wanting to go go somewhere, I'm like, let's be intentional about it being a black owned business or a minority owned business because um, we exist outside of those special times when, you know, you remember that we exist, right? And that was part of the reason why we chose to do this show. Like people, if people don't know, they don't know to support you. They don't know where to come. They don't know that there are other resources available or other businesses available that fit that criteria that people can go to because nobody remembers that, you know, we are a minority class of business owners as until, oh, I got highlighted in a la 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 la. So this show will be replayed more than just in Pride Month because people have need a little reminder that you know, these are businesses that are doing work, important work in the community every day. And it's twice as hard for us as minority owned businesses, whether you're, it's a, you're a woman, whether you're LGBTQ+, whether you're African-American or whatever, it's difficult because there are so many other barriers, whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, finding the support that goes the same thing with finding a building or you know, being able to rent in a certain place where you want to rent, all of those things affect how you, how we do business in mainstream culture. And that's literally why we're talking about it. Exactly. And also I see, um, and this is just something that I want to call out because I see it often during Pride Month is a lot of um, businesses uh, are, you know, creating these like pride packs or raffles or giveaways and they're donating money to the HRC or to even some like local um, organizations that are are well-funded. Um, and I think that whether it's Pride Month or Black History Month or um, whatever it is, like find ways to donate directly to people in need. We're talking about reparations. And I, I just, um, you know- All year. Not just then. all year. Yes. All year long. And I think that scares a lot of people that kind of like want to tack themselves on to like, you know, black history month and pride month and, um, you know, uh, cancer awareness, breast cancer awareness month and all these things, but find people in your community or find those grassroots organizations instead of, you know, um, donating to these organizations, even locally that, that again, are well-funded, you know, but I think it scares people. I think, I think the, well, the word reparations really scare people. Well, you're going to say, girl, you said the bad, bad scare R them. word. Scare them though. The do R it. word. The- <laughs> bad, bad R word, honey. I, I hate that. Like we're almost done with our time. This is a super packed show, but you mentioned um, that community work and in this, you know, giving back to people directly is really important for you. Where do you see Maven Made going in the future in that direction? Right. So um, one thing that I would, um, just because I have experienced it, um, postpartum care for postpartum people in need. After having our kid, woo, that uh, transition is brutal. And I really feel strongly that, um, you know, it sets up success for that baby and for that family. Um, if they have proper postpartum care and that can mean a postpartum doula, which is amazing. Um, we ended up having one for a few weeks. Um, but postpartum care for people that need it, for people that can't afford it, um, is I think something that I want to move towards, um, whether I donate a portion of sales to that or, you know, products or, um, but there are people here, here's the thing. There are people here in Richmond doing this work. Um, there is the Richmond, uh, the Richmond doula project. They offer sometimes free postpartum doulas to families that need it. Um, or they're at a reduced rate also, um, our newborn pediatrician, Dr. Janet West with my RVA baby, um, she also does in-home visits for newborns. And sometimes she'll do, I think like a reduced rate or she works with families that, that can't fully afford it. It is expensive, you know? Um, so support instead of doing my own thing, which I see a lot of people do, and that's great to me, I rather support the people that are doing this. So I donated um, a portion of sales to the Richmond doula project so they can give families postpartum doulas um, that need it. 
So really just getting behind these great organizations is, is what I'm about. I don't have time to do like more work and in starting like my own organization or, you know, that type of thing. I just want to support the people that have been doing it, that know how to do it and that will continue to do it. Preach that gospel. Thank you very much. That that's the gospel right there. Everybody create a new thing. There's already somebody in that lane doing it and they're doing it well. Support them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about staying in my own lane. (laughs) And I've, I've learned that from getting out of my lane. (laughs) You know what I mean? To understand that. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to be bumped back in. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Bethany, for joining us uh, for this conversation today. And please, before we wrap, shout out how folks can get in touch with you. Sure. So uh, I'll start with the IG. So um, I am on Instagram at Maven Made. You can find us online. We do have a online store at uh, www.mavenmaderva.com. Also, we have a storefront. It is open Thursdays from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And we are directly on the corner of East Main and 14th Street. We're in a little yellow corner storefront. It is like on the edge of downtown right before you enter Shaco Bottom. Again, thank you so much. It was really wonderful to finally meet you in person. I hope that uh, I hope continued success for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure talking with you both. All right, so we are going to round out our LGBTQ plus business episode of our Pride series with a very distinguished guest. We're really excited uh, to have her with us today. Could you please introduce yourself? So, hello and good afternoon. My name is uh, Louise Farmer. And everyone knows me as Cheesy, and it is a pleasure to be with you this evening. Fran may join us uh, during this uh, chat or not, um, but she's with us in spirit, that's for sure. And she sends her best regards. Thank you. So Cheesy, we're talking about business owners, but you do much more than that. So I know that you've got um, a lot of uh, your fingers in in different pots. So let's let's talk about your background. Where do you want to begin? (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) Um, um, so my background has been, um, I don't know how far you want me to go back. You know, I'm kind of a little old lady. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been in Richmond for about, I I got out of the military back in the early, about in the nineties. And I've been in Richmond ever since. Um, I did 10 years in the army. Um, I've been involved in the community pretty much ever since I um, came to Richmond. And it started out that I would just, you know, do parties, boat rides, and stuff like that. And then as time went on, I saw that, you know, um, there was more to be done in the LGBTQ community. So eventually I became a nonprofit called Women of Essence Incorporated. And in doing that, I created an organization that provided education and resources for women of color around HIV AIDS, breast cancer, and uh, domestic violence. Um, Since then, um, come down the road a few years, I am uh, now the board chair for Diversity Richmond. I am the co-founder of UGRC and uh, Richmond's first ever Black Pride RVA. And I also just retired from UPS after quite a few years. And now I am also, or have been an owner of RVA Clippers approximately about 20 years. Um, now resided in Scott's Edition for the past five years. Uh, my barbershop, you know, it's it, my, being a barber is like a hobby for me that has turned into a business and also causes, you know, me to have a lot of community interaction because it's not just a barbershop, right? I have a little over 2,000 square feet. And, you know, in the back room somewhere, there's a meeting place and people are free to come in, have meetings. I do back to school drives. I do cookouts for the kids. Um, we collect clothing. We're like a drop, drop off spot for a lot of organizations when they do clothing drives, food drives, or whatever they need. They come and they ask and my home is their home. And we feed... Um, 
you know, I, I have my employees so involved now, and, and which is just amazing to me because they've never been involved in community before. And now that we've worked together for so many years, they understand where I'm coming from. So I create a safe space. We feed the uh, homeless around in the area of Scott's Edition. And we just try to just try to be part of community and give back something. Well, we have a, a friend of the show who always says that um, like the best, most important conversations happen in the barbershops. So yes, I bet you do have some really interesting, uh, interesting conversations that you've been privy to uh, yes. <laughs> while running that shop. And also, I mean, amazing that you have a community space there as well. What inspired you to do that? Um, I don't know. It's just like um, my mom was a minister and I have like a lot of ministers in my family and I'm a minister. So I think too, it's been instilled in me and my upbringing that you just learn or it becomes a part of you to do for others. It's not even like a second thought. You don't think about it. You know, somebody acts of you and if you can give, you give. And that's just the way that I feel. Well, that's what my heart tells me. You, you do have a unique perspective, too, though. Uh, you are in multiple minority groups here in Richmond, yes. ca- the former capital of the Confederacy. I mean, yes. we have a lot going on in Richmond civil rights-wise. What does it mean to you to be part of that community? So, you know, in working in Richmond, there are, there are challenges. And, you know, and I'm sort of on the quiet side of things and don't usually say a lot, but just try to do the work in the background. As we celebrate Pride Month, you know, you can't help to think about, you know, Marsha P. Johnson or Silver Riviera or even Stormy De La La Verne, I think her name is, the trans women of color who, um, who ignited the Stonewall Rebellion. You can't help but think about that and how they have paved way for people of the LGBTQ community. But then you also think about the racism, um, which sometimes, you know, people try to sweep it up under the rug, but it's so evident that it exists. Even in the LGBTQ community, it exists. And one of the things that, you know, I try to do is, is bridge a gap no matter who I come in contact with or whatever organization I'm working with. I mean, sometimes people don't make it easy, but, you know, uh, anybody tells you, I just kind of smile and keep going and just say, you know, I don't know if it will ever be all right. It probably won't be, but I always feel like somehow I need to do my part in just trying to bridge a gap. And, And hopefully, regardless if it's whoever it is, that I make some type of impact to say that not all Black people are bad, not all white people are bad, not all Asian, Latinos, or whatever. It's about community, and it's about helping everyone. Sometimes I might be naive about it, but there's always hope. I always feel there's hope, and I would continue to do whatever I can, no matter how quiet I am, to try to do my part to help. If you had endless resources, a magic wand, to help small business owners out, what would be the thing that you see is lacking that you would fund? Um, so, so you, you know, one of the issues for minority or Black folks, period, organization is that we, we don't get funded, unfortunately, um, because sometimes smaller organizations, they get, even though they're doing the work, keep in mind, we're all volunteers and we're doing the very best we can. Often, I think, or sometimes we get overlooked for the work that we're doing or trying to do. And when it comes to funding and things like that, if you don't have your, if, if not every I is dotted and every T is crossed and you don't have this huge budget, you're not going to get anything. And if it was me and I had the funds and, and was just this wonderful millionaire all over the world, I would... I would say that, you know, I would look at each organization for the work that they do or what they stand for. If they're living in their mission and vision, regardless of who they are, if you're doing it, why not help them? Why not fund them? And that's what I would do. I would try to fund every organization that falls below that, that line or don't, I guess, don't fit in or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's sad, but it's true. It happens. And, you know, and then sometimes rather than to educate or say, you know, maybe you don't have all the resources 
well, let us help you or help you get on the right track or uh, mentor you, mentor your organization. You know, those things, that's what I'm about. So I probably would be like, um, like uh, I don't know, if I just had a lot of money, I would just give, give, give and say, hey, I know what you're doing. And, and, and uh, I'm just rambling, but I know what you're doing. So let me help you take it to the next level. Yeah, I think, that, 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 I think that's an, an admirable dream to be able to, to it, do that. It is, you know, it is a dream. It I know it really is a dream. <laughs> yeah, it is really a dream. But, it, but you know, it feels I try to do what to I use, can. You know, yeah, it feels good yeah. to use. And it's also nice for um, folks to know that there are mentors like you out there that are there for you when you're just starting out and you're trying to make a difference in your community. Um, yeah, you know? but, but you know, I think the thing is, and, and I think about this, I'm older now and and I want I want I want the the younger folks of the youth to come up and and start taking lead on things. Like I say, I'm just a just a quiet person in the background and and um I'm always happy to see when our youth can step up and and we start trusting them to let them do some of this work. All right. So we have less time than I want to have. So okay. I want to make sure we pack in some stuff okay. because the pandemic messed up a lot of plans, you know, over the past year and you're involved with diversity and Black Pride RVA. And so I'm sure you've got some things going on that maybe you might want to. Yes. Know um, about. Yes, indeed. Um, diversity is um, back in full swing of things. We have a new board. Well, we have a uh, like uh, 12 new additions to our board. I'm extremely excited about that. That is exciting. Um, yeah. And um, so we're still doing the work. We never stopped doing the work. We have a wonderful executive director, Bill Harrison, who's who's constantly out there. Um, definitely, I give him a, his props for always making sure that we are out there and helping the community. Black Pride RVA, we have Black Pride coming up in July, July 16th and 17th and 18th. We have a wonderful, wonderful weekend plan. And I am so happy that we we're open. Last year was virtual and that was great. But there is nothing, nothing like being in community with everyone. Yeah, you, then, you miss folks. You know. Yes. And I think our biggest piece that weekend is that on that Friday night, we are doing our community root award for those in our community who continue to do the work that we want to recognize them. And we also have um, the Rodney Lofton Social Justice Award, which is huge for us. And we are so happy to honor those who continue to uplift the LGBTQ community, regardless of who they are, ally or other. So I'm excited. I'm truly excited. I'm excited too. That's wonderful. What a what a great uh, way to bring things back, bring folks back uh, yes, together. Yes. Before we close, will you let folks know um, how to get in touch with you um, or various organizations? Yes. So diversity Richmond. It's uh, di diversity Richmond at gmail.com or you can go to our website at diversity Richmond www.diversityrichmond.org. And then for uh, Black Pride is www.blackprideRVA, or you can email us at blackprideRVA at Gmail. And, um, and if you just see me, just talk to me. I'm always out and about. I'll try to be. That's right. Oh, Cheesy, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really happy. Thank you. I appreciate you. And um, good luck with everything you're doing this summer. And um, I hope to run into you. All right. I look forward to seeing you.